0: This is the Author Archive Podcast. This chapter is an interview I did in the year 2000 with Baron Archer of Western Supermare. This conversation took place in London on the 6th of March, and it was a bit of a breakthrough in the publishing industry because it was the day that a new co- collection of Geoffrey Archer's short stories was published. And this interview took place as a live broadcast, as a live envision broadcast on the newfangled internet, as it was then. The rather stuffy world of book publishing was involved in a webcast. Geoffrey came into this small basement studio in the West End of London, sort of brimming with self-confidence, which is odd because a few days before he'd been expelled from the Tory party for lying later in the year 2000 he was in court there'd been a libel case and um, it was again proved that he had lied and the following year he ended up in jail that day in March 2000 when he came to see me he was an ex-Tory politician just but there were scandals surrounding him there was talk of sleaze but he still kept churning out the books and he came to see me full of smiles and I thought well, what can I ask him I can't really ask him about payments to prostitutes so the new book is just out and so I said to him well you know was he excited
1: Ah, oh, no it's always exciting is it if, you, if it stops being exciting you better stop doing it an easier description I can give in politics John Major once said if when you walk through St. Stephen's entrance your heart doesn't go up five beats you should give up politics and I feel the same way about writing if you when I saw that cover uh, my heart went up much more than five beats I think it's the best cover HarperCollins have ever given me I mean I'm not complaining about my covers I just the moment I saw that I rang the person who designed it and said and yes my heart did go up ten beats and if it doesn't David pack it up do something
0: else you see uh, your heart, I mean you mentioned politics in the first answer mm. and, and I thought oh, no, I will not ask him about politics because that would be trite but in this, this cavity here is mm. it the heart of a politician who's having to write or is it the heart of a writer that went into politics for a while Wh- what's the definition of this organ here? I think
1: uh, I love the writing because uh, answering your question totally frankly um, I love the results you it it allows you to touch so many people in so many countries Well, this does oh very much very much and they come and talk to you in the street they come and talk to you at the party whatever it is and that's very flattering It's very, uh, again anyone who's blasé about uh, uh, the privilege of people reading you is an idiot I, I, met, I met a man going out of your room a moment ago I'm a huge fan Quentin Blake I'm a big big fan I buy his Christmas book and give it to everyone uh, so no I'm, I'm think having people read you is wonderful
0: when you were a lad though I mean if you read up about you did you ever have this burning ambition to be a writer because didn't you start writing
1: when you were in a bit of a hole by mistake <laughs> I didn't start writing until I was 34 years old I hadn't written a word before then I mean Mary my wife always complained that she never had a love letter in her life you know what is this man trying to trying to do uh, it's just that I'm I'm not a writer though David as you know. I'm a storyteller I sit down and I write stories that begin once upon a time in there you've got 14 stories. I keep reading books of short stories that they say on the stu- they're short stories. They're not short stories at all. They're often very well-written ob- observations. I don't do that. I tell you a tale. It begins on page one, and in case of this, you probably get 20 pages. There's a middle and there's an ending. I try to give you an ending, which makes you think, I'm a storyteller. You like those surprises, do you? I love a twist in the tale, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love to tease you and all of these I hope to tease you. And I guess there are now uh, m- some of my readers who sit and wait, for, you know, they're, they're trying to work it out before they get there, which is getting harder for me now to actually shock them. So is this the purer form of Geoffrey Archer rather than the full the length novel? I like the challenge of the full length novel. Its problem is, and um, it's damned hard work. And if you write 150,000, 200,000 word novel, I mean, Ken and Abel is actually 250,000 words. It takes two years. And I do 16, 17 drafts. The joy with the short story is that when you've finished it, you can actually do it in a, in a time. For example, when I did the proofs, for to cut a long story short, I was able to do, uh, there's 14 of them, a story in the morning and a story in the afternoon, when I did the proofs. And you could do the whole thing. If you do the proof for something like the 11th commandment, it takes 10 days. And you're going, oh, what happened in chapter 3? Did he, did, he, did he do that? Or did he do... Was he there? And you've got to go back and find it. Whereas with a short story, you can do it. And then in the afternoon, do another one. And so it's a lot easier from a composition point of view to do a short story than it is a massive
0: novel. When did you start these then? Because a short story, you can write sort of one on holiday and then you can go and do another. And, you, and, and the crafting process can be sort of corpuscular, mm. can't it? Yes, but I don't do that. I went away the, uh, 18 months
1: ago um, in December. 15, 18 months ago, whenever that is. And sit down, and I did the fourteen. I like to do it that way. I, I did. Uh, I think they took three weeks, so I took less than one a day, but it it worked out, which is about uh, two hundred hours. Then I have a rest. Then you can do them one at a time. Then you can, as you rightly say. But I do seven, 16, 17 drafts of every one. I mean, I've just written the play, and I was looking at it this morning. It's got eighteen written on top. My secretary's written. This is the eighteenth time she's typed it. I am. You know, I go on and on, on
0: and on. Is that because you're a perfectionist?
1: It's because I'm not a very good, uh, on the first draft. Some people tell me, I mean, Roy Jenkins, I once read in an article, that Roy Jenkins, the Labour politician, sorry, now Liberal politician, once said he, uh, he said he wrote it and handed it in. And I thought, wow, you've got to be very clever to do that. I'm not capable of doing that. I write it, I rewrite, I rewrite, I craft, I craft, I try to make it faster and faster. Uh, and that takes me a long time.
0: You see I was looking at, um, at your body of work and mm-hmm. um, plays beyond reasonable doubt and Exclusive so the new one is actually the accused. accused the accused. That's the third play
1: Yes, and I've just finished that I've done. It's taken 14 weeks 350 400 hours uh, And it's on its 18th draft, but I think it's now it'd be interesting to see what we have we're now going we're now checking on theater availability and actors availability the next stage I have with the accused is to see, um, to hear them reading it and see if I make changes then. Oh, I've done it out loud. I've done the whole play out loud and listened to it on tape, which helps. I even do that with, uh, with stories, is to do them out loud, because you hear different things when you hear them. But you're going to be in the play. Yes, you? I'm going to play, not, the, the leads are the two barristers who hate each other and are defending me, the accused. Uh, having been accused of murdering my wife over a period of seven years poisoning her I play at the part of a doctor who's accused of murdering his wife, but the difference here Which I don't think ever been done before I like to believe it's the first is that at the end of the evening You will decide The jury is the audience the judge will address the audience the two barristers will address the audience and then they will vote on whether so I I hope I've written a play that's on the knife edge, but you've got to sit and watch because there are 12 clear clues As to whether he did it or not and then you decide but once you've decided it goes on for another eight or nine minutes and you find out if you made the right decision and there are the two endings yes there are two endings if you say guilty there's one ending if you say innocent there's another
0: ending you see i wonder does this i was reading this looking for clues to jeffrey archer because you do don't you i mean if you read a book you think now, what's this bloke really like? Mm. And just by the very act of writing a play and putting yourself in it... I mean, some playwrights are very reclusive. Some writers are very reclusive. Is that a word that could be yeah. applied to I you?
1: Think so. <laughs> no. But you must remember that um, Alan Bennett... I mean, we're 200 yards away from a theatre in which Alan Bennett not only wrote the play, The Lady in the Van, mm-hmm. but is playing That's true. the part. Uh, uh, there are lots of... Uh, um, playwrights who play in their own plays. Some would say our greatest playwright, Harold Pinter. He plays in his own plays, he plays in films as well.
0: Uh, So it's hardly a first. No, but I wonder, you see, I wondered if, if some people I meet, some people who write books, it's hell to get a word out of them. You know, you, you should, some some authors are so reclusive that this business of going out and promoting their book is shit. Oh, they hate it. They, they absolutely. It. And I sympathise with them, but you don't. I do you? love it. No, but I <laughs> exactly.
1: With them. No, I, I did a tour once with a very very nice man who'd written a book called The Man in The Man from Lisbon, uh, and we were both young. I'd written a book called Not a Penny More, Not a Penny Less, and he'd written this book called A Man from Lisbon, and we were both on the bottom of the bestsellers list. We were being sent around America together. On the third day, he was sent home. Uh, and he was sent home because he was cuddling lampposts. And the reason he was cuddling lampposts, he was so lonely. He just got fed up with. He'd have you yeah, then at another 10 o'clock, one. another one at 11, another <laughs> yeah. one at 12, another one at 2, another. And by by the evening, he was a mental wreck. By the third day, he was found clinging on to a lamppost. And they sent him home. It is, if you're doing a tour, the old fashioned tours, when you were a youngster. You remember the old fashioned tours. I don't hmm. know them, that is. When I was when I did Ken and Abel, I visited twenty-four cities, sorry, seventeen cities in twenty-four days. And you got sort of one day at the weekend off. So you went New York, Chicago, and then you went Chicago and right across to Seattle and then down to San Francisco, San Diego, and then back across to New York. And you did a different city every single day. And you were a zombie. You didn't know which plane you were in. You didn't know, you literally did not know which city you were in. You were in a hotel room. And the hotel rooms were always, in America, universal. You got in there, there's the double bed. The only thing you quarreled about was whether it was rubber pillows or soft pillows. You got, in my case, a, a, a soft drink. And you went down and had a steak and you went to bed and you got up and did the breakfast show. And after that, and this went on until you did the, the late night show and then you went to bed. And, and, and you, I, I was in Colorado and, and I thought I was in Denver. Uh, they are quite close. But, yeah, I mean, I was say Well, they are <laughs> quite close. But I mean, I did actually say it's lovely to be in Denver, and
0: and the, the, the interviewer just said, "No, no, sat. you're not. No, you're not." I mean, you've been you've been keeping a fairly low profile for a little while, and now you're bursting out again. Is that a relief? You think, "Oh my goodness me, I can be me again." Well, <laughs> I love the
1: uh, this part of it, which you say a lot of authors don't like. I actually do like. I do actually like being read. I want to be, what's the point of writing the damn thing <laughs> if it's not read? And uh, I, I like the contact with human beings and I like the, the whole interplay. And I do think, I do sympathize with those authors who don't like it, but I do think it's fairly insulting if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if they ask you to do it, not to do it. I mean, just to hand a book in and say, oh well, you decide if you want to buy it or not. Uh, I mean, why shouldn't you tell people what the book is about? And they might say, oh, I don't want to read that. That's
0: let me let me, just, uh, let me talk, ask you one about one of the particular things because there's one about um, a guy who's very rich, and he wants to know if people really like him or if they don't. Um, and I thought, I wonder if Lord Archer is the endgame. Yes, is expressing something in here because you must have been in, the, in your, this position in your life where you find, well, let's see, who my real friends? Mm. Ah, because that's what this guy wants to find out, isn't it? What he does is he he's made. I mean he's
1: worth a hundred million and he has a, s- a family around him who treat him very carefully indeed because they're all waiting to get mm. the money and he decides with his closest friend who's a, a solicitor to declare himself bankrupt. Of course he's not bankrupt at all, he's still one of the richest men in the world, but he explains how he's gone into an oil deal and it's in Russia and it's gone absolutely bottoms up and indeed in Russia uh, it's possible to lose a hundred million. People were doing it last year and the year before people were losing vast, sums, making vast sums as well, but also losing vast sums and so he convinces everybody that he's lost everything and starts selling the furniture in the house, puts the house up for sale, gets rid of everything. And then he watches the way all those people treat him. Now they think he's penniless because that's what's going to make him decide how he leaves the hundred million. And the story is about how these five other people react to him. And he has some pretty big surprises.
0: The absolutely irrepressible Jeffrey Archer talking to me in march 2000 and uh, later that year he was going to be in court Uh, the following year he was in jail but it's typical of jeffrey archer that when he was in jail and it wasn't very nice because i saw him after that and he admitted it wasn't very nice but he used it as source material to write his jail diaries Uh, where people like him get their self-confidence we can only dream we've seen someone recently in the tory tradition who has a very similar personality where telling fibs is just part of the deal and if if one is challenged if you're that person you're affronted amazing people politicians (laughs)